Hello, everybody. I'm Natalie Baugh, and you're listening to It's All Light. Today's guest is Cooper Campbell. You can say hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Perfect. So Cooper and I actually went to fifth grade together and high school together. Like, it was just before we started recording, we were reminiscing about fifth grade and just <laughs> everyone wanted us to like each other because we were blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> right. We had shipped. Oh, my gosh. The way Taylor Swift gets shipped all the time. Oh, it's so funny. Just because of blonde hair, blue eyes. No, but we were friends. He was good friends with some of my good friends. And, right. I mean, your name is an alliterated name. So, like, saying Cooper Campbell was just, like, people knew who right. you were. <laughs> Anymore. Right. It's, it's a good name. I'm very, I really like my name. I've, I've never had any complaints with it. It's awesome. I am trying to remember my like impressions of you in fifth grade. It was, I think like something about like you were kind of wild and funny. Like we had the funny kid, like every class had like, oh, the funny kid. And that was um, Sam Barney, I think. <laughs> um, but you were like. me would be really offended by that. But like me now, I'm like, I totally agree. But you were like runner up and like everyone still like laughed at your jokes too. Yeah. I think you were the one who named our class pet snake Tiki Barber. And, yeah, that sounds like a name I'd give it. And yeah, the snake ended up dying. We had a funeral. Wow. Fifth grade times. What a time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cooper, tell us a little bit about yourself. Besides. Okay. You went to Channing Hall in fifth grade. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. It's always weird when people ask me this sort of thing because my kind of life is not a super, like, I didn't go to college for stuff. I didn't, uh, I don't have a super linear, I, I, I don't work for some big tech company. I, don't, I started my own business and that's kind of my thing. That's the thing that makes me super excited. My business is called Identity Development. And uh, oh. I did start to fill out your Google form. And it, the question is, is what makes you light up? And I, at first I was kind of like, I don't even know really how to answer that question. Yeah. But then the more I thought about it, and it was just like, I, I love solving people problems and solving people. Mm. And um, it, it's probably not always good to look at things as solving people, but <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I really like, yeah. I, I like the technicality and how chaotic people are. And I like bringing that into like something that feels like it makes sense. So like almost parallel to like a therapist, but not right. Well, and there's, there's a lot of that. Um, there's also, I, I really like, there's some therapy, there's some consulting to it, and then there's some counseling. And depending on, I think depending on the purpose of the person kind of dictates that, right? right. When, when I'm working with clients who are really business driven, I do a lot of business consulting and a lot of, you know, piecing together. All right, here's our big goals. How do we end up there? Um, one, one of my favorite quotes is from a psychologist named Catherine Horney. And, and she says, Self-knowledge then is not an aim in and of itself, but a means of uh, spontaneous self-growth, okay? Whoa. And I love that because I, I don't ever look at what I do as like aiming to improve a person, right? What I do is I help them to figure out what they want to end up at, where their vision looks, mm -hmm. And then they do all of the growth. It just starts to happen when you really start to understand it. And I, and I know how to support that in the best way possible. So yeah, that's, Cooper, that, that's that a good so, introduction. That is so cool. 
Yeah. Wow. I I really didn't know any about any of this about you. I mean, we hadn't really talked since we didn't really talk right. in high school either. So it's been a while and it's fun to reconnect and see the things you've done and why and just yeah. so cool. Yeah. It's it's exciting stuff. And like I said, it was I, I read the, you know, what makes you light up. And I was like, I really do. I become such a nerd when I talk about it. It really hurts me in sales. When I try to sell it to people, they're always like, he just went off on 11 tangents. <laughs> well, there, there's so many aspects to this. Sorry, right. I cut you off. Right. I didn't no, no, no. I, I just geek out. I just like, I sometimes it feels like I'm, I'm yeah, I, I really relied on my friends when I was figuring out what I was doing to mm -hmm. be like, hey, am I crazy? Because I feel crazy because I love this so much mm -hmm. and I just ramble <laughs> oh, and I love putting pieces together. So. That is so awesome. I think yeah. it's so cool to tap into, I mean, your passions and what makes you creative and, and then to make a living of that too is like right. the goal for everyone. So right. the question of the day for the podcast episode kind of ties into this. It's, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Well, I'll ask a question back to you with my answer okay. to that now with my answer to that and how I introduce myself, what would you say? What would you guess? I maybe would have guessed extrovert because like you like interacting with people and helping them, but what's the answer? I'm an introvert. I'm very introverted. So you yeah, need I, your I, alone time to re-energize. I could spend all day, every day alone. That's the weird part. And it's mm, like, interesting. Uh, it, when I was like growing up, I, I thought I was extroverted, but when yeah, I, no, I thought test, so too. Right. When I take the test, it's like 45% extroverted, 55% introverted. Mm. And so you're pretty, yeah. you're, you're pretty close. Right. Whereas mine is like 98% extroverted. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I feel like right. the older I get, I'm like gravitating toward the middle. Like I am loving more alone time. Like or I, I'm finding ways to get energy when I'm by myself. Like, I think that's just learning who I am more right. deeply, which is so, right. so fun. Okay, so how long have you been in this company that you started? Uh, I, sorry, like, that was like a bad way to ask that. I, I feel that, I actually liked how you said that because I feel that way. I, I don't feel like some owner. I, I People put things like founder in their bio and stuff like that. And I'm always like, I, it just feels so weird. I'm just mm -hmm. a nerd about this stuff and I just feel blessed that I make mm -hmm. money off of it. And That's cool. Like it's, it, yeah, it's been like a year and a half of me just, yeah, it's, Grinding it's this not for the thing of heart, but it's, it's very fun. Cool. So it's called identity development, development. And, yeah. it, and you help companies do that or, it, or is it individual based? Uh, I, most of my clients have been individuals over the last base or last little bit, but mm -hmm. I, I've worked with a, a handful of companies at this point. And then, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. It, it always baffles me when the, the stuff works too, because like I said, I, I worry a lot about like, I, I nerd out and it's always like, oh, like, please let this actually apply to reality. And it keeps applying to reality. And I'm, I, I just, I try to make sure I'm always grateful for that. <laughs> it just like feels like a guide. I love how at the beginning you said like, you're not doing the work for people. That's impossible. You know, like for someone to grow and change, like any type of therapist probably knows this too, is they have to 
do the things to instill that in the person themselves. I mean, that's how learning works. Like the best teachers were the ones who let you figure it out, but they guided you so much that you could. Right. So right. I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of how your business works. Yeah, kind of the first stage, we call it discovery, but it's like you basically just have to figure out what the person already is and reinforce those things and start to curb. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I've found is very common in, in today's is we got a lot of perfectionism and a lot of criticism, like mm-hmm. excessive self-criticism. Totally. And one of my favorite things to say to my clients is, is like, understand, I'm elite at criticism. I'm really good at it. So if you're sitting at home beating yourself up at night, that's why you hire me because I take that away from you. Hmm. And I help you to get out of that headspace. That's one of the first things I, I think people are so bad at criticism and I'm really, really good at it because I don't hate myself. And that's what so much of criticism is for people is it's just an opportunity to beat the crap out of yourself. Hmm. So what is good criticism then? Uh, good criticism. Uh, it, it can look different for guys and girls. Um, for guys, For guys, it really starts with uh, you have to want to contribute a lot. Hmm. And there's a lot of culture that's seeped into guys where they like to pretend that it's better to do less, okay? Hmm. Um, And there's a lot of – I used to be super, super into professional sports growing up, right? And I, I loved all of the different leadership concepts that it taught, right? But I realized that I was using it as a bit of a crutch when I wasn't like totally pursuing the things that I wanted to. And I, I wasted a ton of time with it, right? Um, and, and so I think a lot of guys, they because they want to protect themselves and they don't want to feel all the pressure all the time, they'll have crutches and they'll try to convince themselves that it's like, no, no, this is a a good thing. And this is like, oh, I I don't want to be going after everything totally. Right. And totally, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there, there's a a lot of it with guys. And then for girls, uh, girls, I've actually done quite a bit of work. I, I try not to talk nearly as confidently when I talk about the things that girls should do, even though a lot of my clients are women. Mm -hmm. Um, because I try to be really respectful of the fact that their intuition tends to be better at figuring out what girls need to do than I do, right? Women have great intuition. Thank you. <laughs> great, great intuition. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I try to protect. And so when I, wow. when I help a girl figure out criticism, a lot of it is just being like, you're not allowed to criticize yourself until we figured out foundational pieces of who you are. And until we've really... Uh, from the conversations I've had with a lot of women is until forgiveness is like really, really high on your toolkit, you're really good at forgiveness. Then we can start to incorporate principles of, of criticism and, and figure out, all right, what are we doing wrong here? Whoa. Well, that's so interesting too. Cause I feel like women in general and generalizing is scary because not everyone fits into it, but me and my right. sister were talking about how, it's so much easier in a sense for women to point out nitpicky things like in a relationship sense too. It's like, Oh, that or that or that, you know? And, and we're a little, sometimes more vocal about it. Whereas some guys aren't that way. I feel like guys learn to do that from us. So like the more I do it to someone like who's a guy, 
the more I get that back and it's like oh what they're doing that back like is that okay but like then I realize oh it's because I've been doing that you know and just like my sister's like let's like work on just listening and stop pointing out those things and just like let things be so that is so cool you've kind of discovered that so and, and guys really don't understand they love to think I don't want to be listened to I want to solve the problems right but guys, when it comes to like actually sorting through some of their problems, especially with their significant others, they really, it, it feels too much like disrespect to them when the girl starts pointing it out in ways that's not like super, I, like one of the things that I talk about for me is the reason I'm really good at it is because my mom never made me feel like any of the things that I did was me, right? Mm, yes. And yes. It, it was always a, this isn't like you and that's okay. Let's just get back on track. You know, she'd always threaten to come to school with me because I misbehave in school all the time. And she was like, I'm a stay at home mom for a reason, Cooper. I can come to your class. Um, but Wait, I, I, like, I, was, I like vaguely remember this about you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I, I feel like we've had it. this conversation before when we were 10. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, I was on edge because I was, I was always towing that line between how much did I disrupt class because my mom would come to class with me. And, wow. No, yeah. I was, yeah, I was the talkative one who got in trouble for talking or, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Right. Okay. So this is our topic. I mean, we've already kind of introduced it, but you've sent me a quote and I'll read it for you unless you have it yeah. pulled up. <laughs> but no, this, I don't have it pulled up. this goes with what we're going to talk about today. So you said male vulnerability is directly correlated to the closest woman in his life's ability to forgive. And then a woman's ability to forgive will be correlated to how she feels from the men in her life. Wait, with, not from. Did I say self? Safe? Oh, feels with men in her life, not from. Okay. So a woman's ability to forgive will be correlated to how she feels with the men in her life. Yeah, as far as safety goes, especially as safety goes so like safety vulnerability okay so so, go ahead explain it please (laughs) right right um yeah that on monday i was i was very much feeling and so when i sent you those texts i was like i'm firing i was it was all flowing and that's kind of how i get yeah when i start to really go through people's problems i i roll like i said i i come off so much like it's so much passion because i just roll but love it let, let's just start with the, the male vulnerability aspects of this, where um, for them, when it comes to being vulnerable with women and, and why I wanted to kind of discuss some of these concepts, because I see so much of it lacking in people's lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so for men, so much of their vulnerability, like I said, it's going to come from the closest women in their lives. How much, how good are they at not criticizing themselves? Okay. And it's a little counterintuitive to a lot of people. And that's, that's a part of why I feel like I'm good at what I do is because a lot of what I do is teach people the things that are counterintuitive. Um, But a lot of women think that if he's not being vulnerable, there's something wrong with me. Right. And -hmm. that's something I want to avoid because if we're going to have this discussion, kind of, like I said, there needs to be I don't ever want my tone to come off as blaming either side for any situations, right? Where forgiveness and 
understanding the problems is the goal, but we have to kind of sort through what everybody kind of contributes in order to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. And so when it comes to male vulnerability, it's not uh, to blame for the women in their lives if they're not right. However, if you're a girl and you're like, I want to have the men in my life feel safe to be vulnerable with me, Mm -hmm. you need to be really good at not losing sight of who you are when you're in the weeds of the negative things you do, right? Hmm. Because how can the men in your life feel safe with you if you don't feel safe with you? <laughs> oh, you have a point. <laughs> and I, I'm glad we're starting with with this portion of it because I, I love I, I love to push men to be their best all the time. And with girls, I'm so just like, you guys are delightful. If you steer into the best parts of yourself, you make things better. That intuition, like we talked about. And then with guys, I'm like, honestly, you just have to decide to be better. And you have to decide to be better at every opportunity. That is Um, so interesting. Yeah. And I feel like what you're saying, it might not ring true at first to men and women, but I think there are certain aspects of what you're saying that could ring true, like levels of these elements. That's like at some right. level, this will resonate with you and your struggles, either with yourself or in relationships. So when did you start like figuring out these things and how? Oh, <laughs> I know. Big question. Well, and there are a couple ways to answer it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, over the past year and a half, I figured out how to profit on these concepts. That's why I started a business. But I started to figure this stuff out when I was young. Hmm. And so a little bit of my like personal story as far as how I've kind of come into this stuff is when I was six, my dad went to Iraq for the U.S. military. When I was seven, my mom had breast cancer. And then when I was 12, my dad went to Afghanistan. And so I, I and I was the youngest of four kids. And so it was, I, I have this really interesting upbringing and I never, my parents weren't the type who went, we're gonna hide stuff from our kids and we're gonna protect them from life. And because of that, I, uh, I grew up in this way where I kind of knew that other people, uh, we grew up in Draper. I kind of knew that other people had easier things in their lives. And sometimes it's easy to judge. Right. But I I had a lot of like responsibility early. Right. So I grew up quick and I kind of figured stuff out. Um, That's why my parents could never get me to be good in school was because I was kind of already my own adult really quickly. And I joke with them about that, where it was just like, it's kind of hard to come and, barter with your kid when I've been like responsible in every part of my life. And then you're like, well, you're not doing exactly what we want in school. And I was like, yeah, I was just a C student. Like, what are you going to do? Tell me I can't be a C student. I've been so responsible, but yeah, since I was, since I was, I started to put stuff together when I was like 13 and it was cause I'd had so many experiences early with paying attention to why people are the way they are. So when it comes to like the female criticism, I saw it in all my friends' moms and I could then see it in their sons. 
and I How started you were to realize different from your friends in a sense. Right. And, and uh, I, I had to grow up so quick. Right. And so I, I, but I also didn't start going like, Oh, you guys all need to be more like me. Like I wasn't, uh, thank goodness. I wasn't an egotistical maniac at a kid as a kid. Maybe I am now, but um, that's a whole nother conversation. But there was, I, I, I just started to put stuff together and I, I, I was able to track and I was able to simplify the problems really quickly. And, and I think that was one of the things and, and, and why I felt like I needed to do things the way I have is you just start to see the problems and you start solving them and mm-hmm. all right, here's the root of it, right? And, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the times, like, so, uh, I, one of the things that I've done a lot too, is I have a lot of people who feel like I'm family to them. And I don't mean that in like, like I've lived with a bunch of different families because of those needs too. And so I've had like really people have brought me into their worlds and that's how I've like gathered all the data. <laughs> Yeah, because you have to learn these vulnerable things about people. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, you got me rambling because it was a very good question. I was very, uh, I I haven't had a lot of people ask that sort of thing. It's cool to hear the backstory. I'm, this is like super side branch, but did your dad ever come back from like Iraq during an assembly? I feel like I had a memory of this. Yeah, he, he did an assembly at Channing Hall with us. Yeah. yeah I, I felt like I was in one of those videos you see on Facebook of like the military dad coming home. and. I, I cannot watch those. Those make me like, I cannot watch them. I can't do it. Make you sad? They make you uncomfortable? Yeah, I I don't know because I don't watch them. But like literally, if I start to hear that sort of thing or somebody like, says nope. like, "Oh, you should watch this," I just uh, no, no, I can't do it. I, I can't. Do it. I probably would be the same way if I had a dad in the military, like because I don't like I appreciate them, but like yeah, I I'm assuming it's so much different being in it. Yeah, I I don't like remember him getting back from Iraq or Afghanistan. Like I don't I don't have a like Moment. oh we. Yeah, a photo video moment. It was just like all of a sudden he's back in your life. And that's another thing about my dad that's kind of funny. I mean, he was allowed to spend more time on the phone. And he would literally like, we would all race to get the phone because we knew if you didn't answer the phone when he called, he just wanted to talk to mom. And so you weren't going to get to talk to him. Interesting. It, it, it was so funny and so all of us were like i want five seconds with dad and it, it he's gonna listen to you just long enough to then go i'd like to talk to your mother <laughs> wow why do you so, think that if this isn't too personal or vulnerable no it, uh, we're talking about male vulnerability and okay. I, I feel like i've got to lead by example on this stuff um i feel like for my dad it, it was very important uh, and I think this is something that's super important for children developmentally is, uh, he, he loved my mom more than the rest of us. And we were never under any other illusion. And, and he also wanted to make sure that we knew she loved him more than she loved the rest of us. And it wasn't a competitive thing. It was more of a, just like making sure everybody knows where they stand. 
Interesting. Do you think that was beneficial to your so, upbringing? And so I, I can't put enough of a uh, exclamation point on it. It's so important to me. Right. I've and, seen and quotes about this too, but let's hear why. Okay. I feel like the reason, and for me personally, is because it made me realize that the most beautiful parts of life, right? <laughs> My parents didn't exist for me. Okay. And it, we could get into all the societal stuff, but I think so much of the problems that we currently have is the fact that so many people believe the world revolve around them. They, they think that everything exists to, and, and that, that the root of that really is, is their parents made them feel like their world revolves around them. Mm. And, and that's something that the divorce really contributes to. And that's really difficult. Once again, with all the things that I talk about, I really hope that it's a, it comes across as a, this is not me like pointing out things to blame. I don't think single parents are terrible people who have done awful things. It's just, you have to figure out how to combat the yeah, turn the trade-offs. Like level it, foundationalize it. Yeah. Right. I get it. Right. And, and the more honest you can be about the initial trade-offs to the decisions you make, because that's one thing I'm very passionate about is understanding the trade-offs but yeah it, for me so much of it is children need to know the world doesn't revolve around them and I knew that because my dad never let me believe anything else <laughs> because that was his wife first it was his wife first and his dad did the same thing with him this is this is the Campbell family this is what happens okay. they love their wives they love them. <laughs> so hmm. and and how does that affect you growing up with like who you are like you I'm sure you felt loved but but that aspect of knowing your dad loved your mom more than you like what does that do to you if like I don't know because sometimes it sounds backwards it's like what can't you right. love everybody equally but what does that level do uh I I feel like it freed me to be myself more okay and the reason that I say that is I, I think it's natural and it's at its best when marriage and, and husbands and wives love each other more than the kids. Not that they don't love the kids, but that they love each other more than the kids. And because I was then slotted in an actual role that suits me and I, I'm not growing up thinking I've got all this pressure because my parents need me to be X, Y, Z, right? I get to kind of freelance and, and, and just figure out me. Right. And that's a luxury. I mean, if we, if we want to talk about like growing up in Utah and growing up in Draper and things like that, a lot of my friends don't have the luxury of feeling like my parents are good, just the two of them. And I get to just do me. I get to be me. But my parents think I should have gotten a degree and that's okay. I've never felt any pressure from them to have gotten a degree because it was, it's my life. Hmm. And, that's and so, so interesting. That's, that's a huge luxury of, of this. And, and one of the first things that I do with my clients is you have to start figuring out the ways that their parents have put pressure and expectations on them. Mm -hmm. And if, if you can't start to alleviate that, you really can't get to the root of who a person is. Yeah. I mean, we all have the, so to speak, trauma from our parents and that's right. just kind of the inevitable, the inevitable. Right. That that's for a species to be evolving. 
the offspring has to deal with challenges that the parents give. Hmm. No, that that's true. And the things, who knows what the world will be like in 20 years when our kids are, I don't know, whenever we have kids, however old they'll be. But yeah, the world changes, we change. Yeah, it is cool. I think that's somewhat of the enticing elements of like family history work too is almost learning about who your ancestors were like finding stories about them how they raised your grandparents and then things start to make a little bit more sense of how they act or how they critique or yeah once you start discovering oh my dad is this way because of this or my mom did this because of this and that's why this this and this my sister's really good at like reflecting on this, like having lists of, oh, because of this, I will never do that. Or because of this, I will always do this. And then build shaping and building her own family now is super cool because she's reflected on these, these things and gotten down to the roots of it. And it's so fun to talk about. So what are some applications to start with? Like you said, to find the foundation, you said, start with your parents and what they've taught you and how they've raised you in a sense. Well, there, there's quite a bit of that, right? But mm-hmm. the thing is, is, people really struggle to be honest about their parenting situation, right? And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a negative thing, but people like to sensationalize their parenting experience. So if it's positive, it's the best ever. If it's negative, it's the worst ever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whichever way you're sensationalizing, you're missing the opposite things, right? So once we have honest conversations, because that's something that's always fun for me is I'll talk to people about what I criticize my parents for. And I I always start it with, understand, I feel like I was the luckiest kid in the world for the parents. I, I genuinely think my parents were like the best parents you could get. Doesn't mean they were perfect. I mean, like, when I describe my dad to people, sometimes they do go like, were you attention starved? And I don't think the answer is yes, but my teachers would tell you the answer is yes. <laughs> but that that's kind of where you start is you go, what are we sensationalizing, right? And I, I don't even really like to start with the parents. I like to start with who do we know or what do we know about you already, right? And then you start to get them to articulate what are things that you feel like you're proud of, but nobody gives you credit for them. And you especially go back into like, what, what did that look like in your childhood? And, and so I'll, I give a personal example, which is, so in high school, I was the basketball manager, right? Did you know I, that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, no, I literally, I think I remember that. Yeah. It, it's always funny for me to talk about because, um, it, it, I am incredibly proud of the contributions I made to the basketball team. But when I tell people I was the basketball manager, no one's ever like, oh, that's like a really cool, impressive thing, you know? And, and it, it's always funny for me because it's something I'm so proud of. Yeah. I, I, love, I love being the dirty work guy. And I, that's what I was. And, and yet I still like really helped people in it. And my closest friends are basically all from that. Cause that's me. That's just who I am. And it's, it's funny. And so I start with that with people as you go, go find those places where you're like, this was way me and nobody else really gets it. 
and then you just push them there. You just push them there. And then all of a sudden they start to really just unravel. Yeah. 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 So what's your end goal with it all? Like when you have a client or like, what's the purpose of it? Right. So the purpose is discovering the purpose of it, right? Okay. And, and that's something, once again, I'm not in control of it. It's one of the reasons why parents don't like hiring me because your kid becomes something you can't control. And, and people mm. love control. They love it. They love yeah. to be able to say, okay, I know exactly. <laughs> and it's why I like to warn people. Like when you hire me, you're going to be super happy, but you have to be very grateful and you have to be very kind to the other people who kind of watch you start to go after life in a very honest way. And you have to really, you have to treat the sacrifices they've made as beautiful things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's really, it's really hard to lose that sense of, I know where my kid's ending up, or I know where my close friend's ending up. And because everybody kind of likes to brag about the people in their lives they like to be able to, you know, do a little PR tour and, hey, my friend's doing this. And, oh, you know, I, I'm best friends with the guy who, do, who does this company and does all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's a natural good instinct. Okay, and yeah. So you don't want to punish everybody in your life for not always having known who you were because you don't know who you were, right? And so my favorite part is getting to the point where I can't, I can't chart the future anymore. Only they can. Cause early on I can, cause they've, they've told themselves enough stuff and you can kind of, you like, pick up the clues it. or right. put it together. Yeah. Okay. A little detective-y, right. You get to kind of be like, all right, you know, <laughs> yeah, this, this sounds fits, fun. This fits you, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it. And once again, it's so me, I, I come off like such a nerd for it, but you start to really create a picture but then all of a sudden they feel so free to be themselves that now all of these intuitions, because I don't think the term is impulse. I feel like it's intuitions. So, um, yeah. And there's an Alexis Carroll quote that I really like where he says, all great men are gifted with intuition. They simply know what they need to know. And that's one of the big results of my product, right? And that applies that's a mankind men not a just dudes um but i love that quote because that's so much how i feel that people who get the best out of their lives feel is they went there were moments where i simply trusted my gut and who i was Mm -hmm. and i broke rules that other people had made that they needed that I needed to evolve out of. And it's what led to so much of the happiness in my life. I mean, huh. you could just go through so many of like historical tales and, and like romance stories always have something to do with that, where it's just the, in, in my opinion, when it comes to like dating and love, I think the most beautiful part is, is that it doesn't make sense. And that it's just all of a sudden, a lot of the time it, you just feel it in your gut. And you just go, I need this person. And I love this person. And I don't know why. I, I, I hate it when people try to help get me to articulate what they love about their partner, right? I'm always like, just let that feel. Don't, uh, words, that, that's, 
words don't do that justice. It's way prettier than words could do. Right? Yeah. No, I, I had a guy just in my past of dating when he said he loved me. It was like, I was kind of waiting for like, why, you know, why do you love me? Right. You know, just, I don't know, right. that must be a girl thing. We want to know reasons and things, but he kind of like reiterated as like, no, I love you for you, like, because you're you. And I was like, right. how beautiful is that? Like, so, and then like, even the first, like the first guy who ever said he loved me was, um, it was just like he realized that anything he was doing, he just wanted me doing it with him. And it was just in this cute little letter. He went on his mission. I was 18 and it just felt so magical. Like it was just so cute to have like, that was so true. No, this is in the past, but it's, they're just these stepping stones that have built me to, to realize what, what love is. And like you said, just like getting to that point where it's like, okay, this is eternal, you know, like, and, and like taking those experiences and like what is love you know and finding that and creating that it's been cool to have those experiences in my life that have like set me up to like fully enjoy that gut love feeling which sometimes right. it does take time to develop too that's something I've been discovering like I think people are sometimes wanting it fast like it was natural we fell in love wanted to get married in two weeks or two months or whatever but like right. And for some people that works that way, but like for me, I'm, I'm realizing that I've needed to see it drawn out and I've needed to figure out the little details or right. learn how to eliminate things that I thought were important, but might not be as much to move forward. Anyways, I love that you brought that up. Thank you. That was cool. Yeah. And sorry for my no. tag- tangent on no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I actually like, I think it would be good for us to do a little bit of this, like how well do you know yourself in this stuff? Okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. Ooh, and, let's... and so I'll ask you some questions. Is that all right? Yes. <laughs> it's scary, but well, exciting. <laughs> right. Well, and, and it's always really funny because it when I work with people, and I'm going to do some of the stuff that I do with people, the, the first part is always like, I can't believe you like noticed that about me. And like, you know that about me because it's, it's what I you say about people. Super, yeah where it's like, I have people and it's like acquaintances. I, I, I can read body language at the gym of how happy relationships are. Okay. Interesting. I, I can tell you, uh, yeah, I, I, you can, you can really tell a lot of people by their, uh, a lot about people by their body, body language. Yeah. But it's just, it's always, it's why vulnerability was a fun topic for me to kind of bring up on this is because it feels so vulnerable when somebody like notices really like intimate personal things mm-hmm. about like how you see yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and so some of the questions uh, when it comes to like, what are things that you feel like are uniquely you? So that's the question. Okay. Um, uniquely me, physically my hair <laughs> or my eye, I have like a brown spot, but right. like more deeply, um, that I can talk to anyone that, I love to have fun and make yeah. situations fun and that I like to talk, talkative, energetic, right. busy. Yeah, you're a busy person. That, that's that 98% extrovert right there. Mm-hmm. Lots of things, lots of people to be around. Okay, all right. Those are good answers. But those are the surface level safe answers, right? Yeah. 
and, and, and that's what we should do 100 percent. like the, this isn't criticism right no you're and good. so you you kind of move to the next level. and so what are moments that you can think about through your life that you go oh that is natalie that's oh that's so me right and, and it can be little it can be big i don't care i like the little ones um uh some people really like the big ones. I love the little ones. I love the ones that are like, I can't believe you think that that's a big deal. Um, I would say dancing. <laughs> I just love it. And it's been cool. My mom's pointed it out to me a little bit more because I, I didn't dance growing up. Like I that right. was not me. But like my grandma's little birthday dance party, I was like going crazy dancing the right. whole night. And I loved every right. minute. And I could tell You're people right, were right watching away, me. Right? Oh, yeah. I love it. Right. Right. No, I... I love it. I, that's totally what I think. And there can be a lot of times with girls where I talk about things like this, but it's like dancing's always a sign of happy, healthy girls. And I think guys, but it's a little, a little more fuzzy for guys. Cause I dance. I, I like dancing. I that. dance at the gym. People will like, I had one girl straight up tell me like, she knows me as the guy who dances while he works out. And, and it's not like, I, I'm not like breaking it. It's more just up. like, yeah, I just feel groove. the vibe. Okay. You know? Yeah. No, no, I get that. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's a huge indicator of somebody feeling safe. Can't dance when you don't feel safe. Okay. And so that's, I really push my female clients to notice when they dance because that's how we know. Okay. So when do you feel safe? A lot of them, it's in the car, right? A lot of people feel safe in the car. So a lot of them, I work with a lot of my clients on the phone in the car because that's when they feel safest. And so then I like that. Yeah. we get a bunch of honesty, right? And yeah. so for you, some of this stuff that I would say I've noticed, right? You're such a people person. You feel the safest when you're able to make things about the best parts of life, right? And you're in your relationships, you probably feel the most validated when the person is kind of like you said with the letter from the missionary where it's like i just there's just value it, just you being here and so it probably translates the quality of time love language is probably something that people like you you're really big on that where it's like i i love being together right that and words like just like hearing people say that right <laughs> right right Hearing that people enjoy me being around. <laughs> right. And, and so this is just simple stuff like like we kind of talked about. I, I haven't been around you since we were young, like high school, right? Yeah. But you can start to kind of piece together bits of where a person feels the most themselves on this stuff where it's like, okay, like she loves being a light. The name of the podcast is a perfect name for your podcast because that's what you love being in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, you're nailing it on the head, Coop. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and, and that's the thing about this stuff is it feels it, one of the hard parts for me when I was trying to figure out how to turn this into a business is the fact that this stuff feels like really simple and really kind of rudimentary where it's like, I, I didn't do anything genius there, right? Like, yeah, yeah pretty safe detective work there where it's just like yeah you just put a couple things together yeah right mm -hmm. but it, it's always really fun for me to like watch people as they like try to sort through like holy cow like that is me and mm -hmm. i can't believe it's obvious 
And, or like yeah. my surface level answers. It's like, okay, like, but what's deeper? And like your question right. to follow up with that. Um, Cooper, our time is limited today, unfortunately, but I think this is going to be a good cliffhanger and we'll bring you on probably do like a double episode thing. Cause okay. I want, there's many more questions I have. My studio needs, um, has an appointment right okay. after us. So I'm, I'm cutting us off, but it's a good cliffhanger because I right. think there's so much more. And now I have more of a framework and I have more questions and I want to learn more about this and I'm sure other people want to hear more about it as well. But real fast to wrap up today's episode, what is something like a takeaway? And we have like one minute. Uh, For part one. Forgiveness has got to be like, if you're looking to find blame in every part of life and that's how you go about solving problems, you won't ever actually be able to touch them. You'll just be, in, it, it'll just cause inflammation. That, that's that's my point. I, I didn't talk okay. about, a bunch about that. Part. No, but that's part guys, stay tuned for part two. Right. Forgiveness, right. and I would say like forgiveness to me is is responsibility, right? Even if you don't want to forgive someone, you take responsibility and you forgive anyways, and right. that frees you in your life. Oh my gosh, Cooper, this was so fun. Everyone, yeah. I'll leave some notes in the show notes, and we'll have Cooper on probably the following episode. We'll just do a double segment with Cooper. Okay because of time today but thank you so much everyone have a happy day we'll talk to you guys next week all right see ya bye